0: Good morning, Calvary. It's really good to be here with you this morning. Uh, technically, I wasn't supposed to be here. You were supposed to have someone else speaking this morning. I, I got a message on WhatsApp yesterday morning, 7.15. Uh, you know the way the WhatsApp message comes in, and you've got this little bar at the top, and it shows you the start of the message? So it said, uh, Glenn, we have an emergency at Calvary. So I'm thinking, oh, they've got a burst pipe or something that's leaking there you know, for me to come to come and fix. That would have been a whole lot easier. <laughs> so I just, uh, John Jackery asked me if I could preach this morning and substitute for someone, uh, the 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 guy who did Sunday school, Vince, I wasn't able to be here because of flights and stuff like that. So, today I'm the substitute. Uh, The substitute on the football team, sometimes he comes in with fresh legs and scores a goal. (laughs) Right? So, but there's another substitute, a greater substitute. Who is that? Our substitute, Jesus Christ. So, if you happen to be a substitute on the team or something like that, that's okay. You're in good company, okay? Because Christ, He is our substitute, and it's a great example. So I'm your substitute this morning. Pray that the Lord to bless us as we talk about the call. Got there. It is. Call. Thanks for praying for people to come and help us. We had this work team. Uh, you met them last Sunday morning. They were here in the service, and they came and served the Lord in a blessed way. They were working with the corn. They were helping us finish a water tower at the rehab center. Uh, We were setting up a a stufa, like a greenhouse, for strawberries, so they were doing a lot of practical work. They were also being a witness and testimony to the men going through rehab. They gave their testimonies. They did Bible studies with them in the morning, uh, really got involved, and that was a real blessing. Young men, early 20s, saved up their own money, paid their own way, everything. Pay their own things. They've been doing this for six months. This was this was their last trip on the six months training that they were doing and to be able to be prepared to serve the Lord. Be prepared for the rest of their lives too. They learn a lot and it was a blessing. And they pay everything themselves. They save up for quite a while and do that and serve the Lord. It's amazing. A real blessing. And we want to talk, I want to talk this morning about the call. Now, this is not my sermon outline, okay? This is a sermon I heard years and years ago on my first trip to Hungary as an as a 18-year-old who went to Hungary on a missions trip. And I heard this sermon and it really touched my life and I've kind of made it my own, okay? So it's not my sermon outline. Uh, it's not an ear-tickling message. It's not a feel-good sermon, okay? It's challenge. I'm going to put this challenge out there to you this morning about the call. Okay. Uh, we're going to turn to Isaiah six, Isaiah chapter six. <clears throat> I believe there's a lot of potential in this church to reach hundreds, if not thousands, of souls for the kingdom of God. There's so much potential in this room, people watching online, uh, for God to use your lives to be a blessing to many, many, many others, to the lost people of the world. Uh, Quite a few years ago, we did a, a thing here in church called the Truth Project. Some of you might remember that, Truth Project. We did it in homes. And one of the first things that the guy who was teaching that, he said, If you really believe that what you really believe is really real, it will change your life. If you believe that what you really believe is really real, it will change your life. And I hope this morning that there will be a change brought within your life, in all of our lives. Uh, call. Isaiah chapter 6, starting at verse 1. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, seraphims, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were called, and they were calling to one another. the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people. We'll end the reading there. Just as a little side note, Isaiah, the first verse here of chapter 6, he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, Now, I didn't have that much time to look into the spiritual significance behind that phrase, but I'm sure there is some. Or maybe it was something just historical, you know, marking a historical point in his life. In the year that King Uzziah died, what does it say? I saw the Lord. And we read about the vision that Isaiah just had. Now, that's a transforming vision. That's something amazing. Amazing. In someone's life, in the year the King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, we've had a lot of things happen in our church. A lot of major events have happened this past year. Pastor Nathaniel left and went to preach somewhere else. That was a big event in my life. Him leaving at Calvary and going to minister somewhere else. You know, that, God takes us to different places. We've got to follow God's will in our lives. Pastor Bill left. Pastor Mary, uh, Mary passed away. Different things happening in our lives. Hard things. Difficult situations. COVID happened. So what can you say in this phrase right here? In the, in Isaiah said in the year the king Uzziah died. So it was the year that Something happened. All these things happen in our lives, good or bad, always to bring us closer to the Lord. Always to help us to be more like Christ. To push us that little bit further, push us that little bit more. These things happen in our lives. What is it that happened in your life this past year for God to bring you closer to him, that you know him that little bit better? I don't know. I know what happened to mine. I don't know what happened in your life, but I'm sure there's something that you can remember, something you can relate to. But within that, are you going to be able to say, I got to know Christ better. I saw the Lord. I heard the voice of the Lord. God worked in my life that year, that, that thing happened. It's just a little side note as we talk about the call. What is this call? Verse 8. Just let me give you a little language lesson. When I say 8, it means eight. <laughs> okay. Eighty-eight. 88. Okay, that's just my accent. I'm sure you've got it though. (laughs) By the time we're done with the sermon, you'll start understanding what I'm saying. (laughs) Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord, he was in the presence of God. in in an amazing way. And God spoke to him. And what was Isaiah's response when he was in that presence of God? Before he heard that call of God, what was Isaiah's response when he saw the Lord, he saw the holiness of God and the the seraphims flying and crying out, Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. What was his response right then? Woe to me. Fell prostrate before the Lord. Woe to me. For I am a man of unclean lips. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. As I cried out to God, he realized his sin. He saw his sin in the presence of God. Then the seraph came with that coal of fire and touched his lips and cleansed him and told him, you've been atoned. Your sin has been forgiven. Now, this message is for believers. And here, he's talking about a sin. Isaiah had this sin in his life, and he realized it. In a way, when he came into the presence of God, he realized this sin. And the Lord cleansed him from that sin. When he was cleansed from that sin, he heard the voice of the Lord. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? What is it in your life that's hindering you from hearing the voice of the Lord, from hearing that call of God in your life? What is it that's hindering? I don't know what it is in your life. I know what it is or has been in my life. But God cleanses it. No matter what it is, the power of the blood of Christ is sufficient to cleanse us from every and all sin. It's been atoned for on the cross. A lot of the time, you know, we evangelists, people who evangelize and preach in the pulpit, sometimes we have certain expressions that we use, okay? Uh, When we say, to non-believers, we want to say, give your life to the Lord, right? Technically, that's not correct. It's not give your life to the Lord, Because if you're not a believer, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible tells us that you are dead in your trespasses and sin. Dead in sin. We don't even have a life to give to Jesus because we're dead in our sins. When you receive Jesus Christ, we've got to receive him. We have nothing to give, but we receive Christ. We receive life. Abundant life. When we receive that life of Christ within us and we have that abundant life, then have we got something that we can give back to God. So, as a non believer, as someone who doesn't know Christ as a Savior, it's not give your life to Jesus. You don't have a life to give. You're dead and trespasses and sin. Receive Christ as your Savior. It's a free gift. When you receive Him as Savior, then you have life. Then you can do what it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, when Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So when we become believers, Paul's writing to the believers in Rome when he said that, we have a life. God has given us. If you've accepted Christ, you have a life to give. And he wants you to put that life on the altar. And don't be conformed to the world. There's so much things, so many things the world has to offer that distracts us, that takes our attention off what we're really supposed to be doing sometimes. Not even sinful things. It's just so much stuff in our minds, in our heads. And sometimes we've got to put our lives on the altar and put that aside. And when our lives are on the altar, God will show us what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God as we're not conformed to the world and as we're transformed by the renew of our minds through the Word of God. So we need to give our lives, lay our lives on the altar for Christ. To hear that call, whom shall I send? This is the call from above. The call from above, whom shall I send and who will go for us? It's not a politician that's calling us. It's not a pastor that's calling us, but it's the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. It's hard to understand. I can't sometimes grasp it. Why God would use, want to use us to reach other people. Surely there's another better way. But that's how God ordained it to be. That he would use us to reach the lost For for Christ, for his kingdom. So, God is the one that's calling us. The one that created this world and everything in it. He is the one that's calling us. Even though we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Creator, the one who made us, the one who knit us in our wombs. And even though we were sinners, Christ even died for us still. So God is our Creator, God is our Savior. And God wants to use us as well. And he's also the Lord. Can you imagine the president of America, America, the president of Brazil, the the Queen of England coming and asking you to do a task for them? Wow, that'd be pretty special. You'd want to do a task like that with, with lots of effort, wouldn't you? Well, this is the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords, the creator of the world, and he's saying to us, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? It's a call from above. God is calling us to serve him. First and foremost, and above all, he's the one that's calling us. If you were in that position where Isaiah was, Isaiah, in the presence of God, in that place, the, f- the way it's said here in, in, in the Hebrew, this is what I learned from commentaries, and not that I understand Hebrew and all that, but from commentaries, reading and learning, it's in the present continuous tense. If you were in that same place that I was, Isaiah was, if you are in that same place today, where he was, you will hear that same call. God is calling still even Today. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? This call went out and was going out about two thousand seven hundred odd years ago, but still today God is calling. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? It's a call first and foremost from above. Let's turn to Luke chapter 16. It's not just a call from above, but it's also a call from below. Luke 16. Thank you for reading that for us this morning already. Luke 16. We'll not read it again to save time. But this is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. This is not a parable. If it was a parable, Jesus wouldn't have used the name Lazarus. It's a true story. It's a real story. It's something that actually happened. So the rich man and Lazarus, and as you can see, not because the rich man was rich that he went to hell, not because Lazarus was poor that he went to hell, but in this situation, this is what happened. The rich man ended up in a place of hell, a place of torment. And he called out to Father Abraham to have pity on him and to send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water to cool his tongue. Now I ask you that question again, say that phrase again. if you really believe that what you really believe is really real, it will change your life. If we're evangelicals, if we're Christians, and we believe what the Bible teaches, hell is a real place. Separation from God for eternity. It's a real place. It's a real thing. Jesus spoke about it more than he spoke about heaven. And in our churches today, we don't mention it very much. Uh, I don't really know why. Because... The road is broad. And there's many people on that broad road going to hell. But there's a call, there's a cry here from below. The rich man, he asked Abraham to send Lazarus to his brothers so that they too wouldn't come to this place. You may be thinking, well, how could the rich man be in hell and then he's talking to Abraham? Like, how does that work out? That's pretty strange. Before Christ rose from the dead, there was two parts in, 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 in hell, Sheol and Gehenna. One good one was paradise, paradise, and one was not paradise at all. And when Jesus said to the, 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 the thief on the cross, today you'll be in paradise with me, Abraham's bosom, When Christ died on that cross, the veil was torn. What else happened to the graves? Because Christ's blood was shed, the debt was paid in full when he said, It is finished, the veil was rent, and the dead in Christ they rose at that time. That was this part of paradise uh, that we see in Scripture. Now the rich man was talking to Abraham, but there was a great gulf between them. And he called out to Abraham to send Lazarus to, back to his brothers so his brothers wouldn't, be, wouldn't come to this place, the place of hell, place of torment, eternal torment. That rich man was there, I don't know when this actually happened, over a couple of thousand years ago. And he's still crying out today. Those in that place are crying out today for someone to go and tell their parents, family, friends about this reality. It really is real. And we need to be telling others about it. Try and find your heartbeat. I hope you got a heartbeat. You can find it. Mine's actually not too bad right now. If I'm running, it's like 160, but normally it's around 60. It's probably a little bit higher today in the pulpit. A normal heartbeat. I had an old statistic for this from like over 20 years ago. I looked it up last night, found a new statistic. It's almost two people every second. Every time your heart beats, two people in this world die and go to a Christless eternity. It's not a lost eternity. It's Christless. They know where they are. They're not lost trying to find their way out. They know where they're at. But it's an eternity without Christ. And every time your heart beats, two people in this world go there. That's a lot of people. A lot of people needing the Lord. William Booth William Booth was the the founder of the is there, Salvation? Salvation Army. Salvation Army. <laughs> Salvation Army. The founder of Salvation Army. They would be trained to be able to reach people. Go out, you know. They had their bands and played instruments, but they would be out witnessing and test testifying to people to bring people to Christ. Lots and lots. He said if all he would have to do was take those people in the training that were doing this training and hold them over hell for 24 hours. That's all the training that they would need to go out and reach the lost. Because then they would understand, they would really believe that what they really believe is really real. And it would change their lives forever. The call from that pit is continual and keeps going. They say it's the greatest, strongest, most fervent prayer meeting ever. As people cry out for others to go and tell people about Christ, it's a serious thing. There's a call from above. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? There is a call from below, but there's also a call from without. Acts 16. Acts 16, verse starting at verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas during the night. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. We'll end there. Come over to Macedonia and help us. They say this is the Macedonian call. Might have been Luke. We're not sure. I don't, I don't know. It might have been Luke that was actually calling for Paul to come over and help. Could have been someone else. But it was a vision that Paul received to come and help. People were searching, wanting to hear the gospel, the message. And today, there's tribes that still haven't been reached. Today, it's over 50% of the world. You take the 1040 window on our world map, and so many people in that region of Asia, North Africa, so many, many people that haven't heard the gospel. Because no one has gone to tell them. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? Hearing the Word. they got to hear the Word to be saved. It's over 50% of the world. Haven't heard the Gospel in such a way that they'd be able to understand it and receive Christ. That's a lot of people. That's a huge calling right there. People that are trying... You know, people that are trying to satisfy themselves, trying to find the truth, trying to find a reason why they're here. God has created us, every one of us. We're created with like a, like a God-shaped vacuum, a God-shaped space. And only God can fill it. Only God can give us that peace that we need and desire. But so many people try and fill this vacuum with something else. And they try and fill it with something else because they don't know the truth in a lot of cases. So many people in the world, we try and fill it with things. Cars, homes, jobs, friends, entertainment. So many things trying to occupy our mind and take our mind off the things of God, the things of Christ, things that are good. So many things people are trying to seek to actually fill this emptiness. There's a little song we used to sing years ago, at least when I was in youth meetings and singing in a choir. We used to sing this song called, People Need the Lord. So it's kind of a missionary call. A song. I want to quote it to you here because it's very relevant to what we're saying. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care, headed, who knows where. On they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cries. Only Jesus hears. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, He's the open door. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. When will we realize people need the Lord? We are called to take His light to a world where wrong seems right. What could be too great a cost for sharing life with one who's lost. Through his love, our hearts can feel all the pain they bear. They must hear the words of life only we can share. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, he's the open door. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. When will we realize that we must give our lives for people need the Lord. And it's very true. How many people do you know that don't know Christ, that aren't saved? They don't have the peace of God that passes all understanding. How many? And people need the Lord. There's a call from without. So, so many people. searching, trying to find something more. Now, if I had written down here the cure for cancer, if I had got this here, look, I got the cure for cancer. Every cancer, I got the cure for it right here. And I would fold it up, put it in my pocket, and keep it. Someday I might get cancer. Someday I might need this. That's pretty selfish, right? If I just keep it for me, for myself. We have the cure for something far worse than cancer. We have the cure for sin. Sin that brings us eternal damnation, eternal death. We have the cure for that. And what are we going to do with it? We're going to put it in our pockets, For when Christ comes back? Are we going to keep it to ourselves? There's a call from above. There's a call from below. And there is a call from without. And I ask you is there a call from within, from within your own heart, to reach others with the gospel of Christ? if you've got this truth, you've got this message, you've got this amazing peace that passes all understanding no matter what the tribulation is, do you have that call within yourself to tell others about that? I have a couple of friends, evangelists, husband and wife. They used to be evangelists for for, for years. They would set up a tent and do evangelism, uh, gospel campaigns, and people would come and hear the gospel and get saved. And he would say, you know, You really know when someone's come to the Lord, when you're praying with them to receive Christ, and and, and they receive Christ as their Savior, and when they're done thanking God for being saved, then they start praying for their family members. They start praying for the loved ones that they have, that they too would find this truth, find this message, receive the gospel as their Savior, receive Christ as their Savior. If there's no desire within you to reach other people, with the message of the gospel. I'm not talking about becoming a missionary and going overseas, you know, go to Brazil or go to Africa, or go wherever. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about reaching your neighbor, reaching people within your own family, in your own workplace, in your own classroom. That's what we're talking about. Reaching people for the Lord. Obeying that call of God in your life. A call from within. Jonah remember the story of Jonah Jonah in the belly of the fish God called Jonah to to go to Nineveh and what did Jonah do he went in the opposite direction Nineveh was this way and he went down to Tarshish and started getting a boat in the other direction thinking he was going to escape from God or escape from God's call I don't know but he didn't want to go later A few days later, what happened? God made the fish swallow Jonah, brought him, got him close to Nineveh, and he went the rest of the way to Nineveh. He started obeying the call of God for his life. What did Jonah do? He preached to these people. He didn't preach a nice message. He preached a pretty tough message to these people. And they turned from their sin. They turned from their wicked ways. Jonah went outside the city before this actually happened. Jonah went outside the city and sat there waiting for God to destroy the city. And when God didn't destroy the city, what did Jonah say? He was complaining to God. He wanted God to destroy them because he knew that later on God was going to use those people to uh, discipline his people He didn't want those people to be saved. He didn't. He wanted God to destroy them. That's a strong analogy right there. Do we want other people to get saved? Do we want to reach other people with the gospel? I'm a missionary. That doesn't mean to say I always reach people with the gospel. Sometimes we get so busy in our lives, even in a missionary life, And someone sends you a message about their son or whatever, who's an alcoholic, drug addict, in my case, you know, my son's an alcoholic, drug addict, and I'm like, oh, I gotta start writing to this person, talk to this person too. We don't always have that desire to share and tell, you know, but we need to have that desire to reach the lost for Christ. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 6. Whom shall I send, God says? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Now, Isaiah wasn't sitting there, nice and timid and quiet, and sort of put his hand up. Lord, I'm here if you want to send me. You know, if there's no one else to go, I could go. No, that wasn't Isaiah's attitude. In the Hebrew, there's a picture behind the whole words, uh, how he really responded to this message. And it's as if, it's as if Isaiah's in this huge auditorium, big place, lots of people responding to this message saying, "Here am I, send me." But Isaiah had such a desire to serve the Lord because he'd seen the Lord. He'd been cleansed from his sins and he wanted to serve the Lord. Isaiah was jumping around as if he was jumping around. and shouting, Lord, here am I. Send me. I want to go. Send me, Lord. In the midst of all those people that wanted to serve the Lord. That's the attitude of his response. It wasn't just that little, well you know, I'm not really good at speaking, or I'm not really good at this, or I'm not really good at that, or I don't have any gifts or talents, I don't really know what to do or what to say. No. He wasn't thinking about any obstacles in his way. He had a desire with all of his heart to serve the Lord, with everything that he had. Some people say they're too shy. Oh, I'm too shy to talk to people. You know, before I became a Christian, there was one thing that was holding me back from becoming a Christian. I knew if I accepted the Lord as my Savior, I would have to get, get in the pulpit and give my testimony. So, said, oh, no, 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 I'm not becoming a Christian. If I had to become a Christian, give my testimony, uh-uh, that's not gonna happen because I would have got so nervous when I would read in school Read a book with a group, you know, four or five people in my reading group. I would be so nervous reading that book, the tears would be coming down my eyes. I would get so nervous. If God calls you, God will equip you. He will give you the help that you need. I don't know how many times I went to the toilet before having to preach, but, you know, (laughs) you get nervous. (laughs) It's part of it. But God gives you the equipment that you need. He helps you. He provides what you need. You just, all God wants is our availability. He wants us to be available. When I was in Bible college, it was already, you know, I had responded to the call of God. You know, I, I was going to Bible college. I didn't know where I was going or what I was doing. Uh, what I was going to do as a missionary. I knew God was calling me into mission work. It was our first year in Bible college. And a guy came to preach in a convention close to the Bible college and a, and a Brazilian couple at the college they wanted to go to this convention and asked if I would drive them there. So I drove them there. The preacher that night that night was Victor Maxwell. He was a missionary going up the Amazon River. And preached the gospel and planted churches. And it was a really nice meeting, really good, and good sermon. And the Brazilian guy, he turned to me and he he says, Glenn, you go to Brazil. And I thought for a moment, I says, if God calls me to go to Brazil, I'll go to Brazil. That was a Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. They arranged for, the Bible college arranged for this, this preacher to come and preach at the Bible school, do the missionary spot. That whole weekend Brazil was just going in around my mind. It was just Brazil, 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 Brazil. And I couldn't get it out of my mind. I prayed, Okay, Lord, if you want me to go to Brazil, Victor Maxwell, this guy will preach on a verse to do with sowing the seeds of the gospel. Okay. So the day came, that morning came, and he got up and he read Psalm 126. Verse five and six says, "He that sows in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him." Well, then he sat down. He did, he only read the psalm. He didn't preach on it. I I pray that he would preach on it, right? Well, <laughs> no, he didn't preach on it. He just read the psalm. So that's not a f- complete answer, you know, or details. <laughs> So another lady got up called Lucy Maher. Lucy Maher shared about her ministry with street children in Manaus. This is over 25 years ago when police were shooting street children. Things this was in the newspapers and in the news and things like that. Uh, so this was all in the news and stuff. And all I can say is I was sitting right here at the front, you know, in our classroom and All I can say is that God opened my eyes to the need. And I very simply bowed my head and I prayed. said, Lord, here am I. Send me. I want to go to Brazil for you. Then Victor Maxwell got up and preached on verse 5 and 6 of Psalm 126. (laughs) And the rest is history. 25 years later, here in Brazil, serving the Lord trying to serve the Lord. You know, but sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we don't want to. Sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we don't want to keep going. Sometimes we want to go home. But there's a call from above. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Have you heard that call? There's a call from below send someone to reach send someone there's a call from without people need the Lord it's all we can people need the Lord that's what we need in life is Christ and there's also a call I hope there's also a call from within your own life And you're ready to serve the Lord, give your life to the Lord. Whatever it might be, it might be that God wants you to go overseas and go to missions somewhere else. I don't know. But I'm pretty sure God wants you to reach your neighbor. He wants you to reach those around you the people that you meet, the people that your pastor's not going to meet, the people that never really hear the gospel. What are you going to do with that call? if you believe, if you really believe that what you really believe is really real, it'll change your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, we thank you for your truths. We thank you, Lord, that you reached down and you saved us. We thank you, Lord, that someone told us about Christ, someone told us about Christ's love and our lives were transformed and changed and we were given life. And our Lord, I pray that each one of us, that we would put our lives, this new life, this eternal life you've given us, Lord, that we would put that on the altar and give it back to you uh, uh, and serve you in some way or another, Lord, that we would reach the lost for Christ. Thank you, Lord for what you're doing in our lives. And we thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the potential in this place. And I pray that you would use it to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.